Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. This morning I just uh, had it in my heart to talk to you about confidence toward God. We're living in a very suspect time right now. We know that. But no matter what we're facing in this realm of life that we're living in, we ought to have our confidence in God. Do you have confidence in God? Look in the book of Psalms. As a matter of fact, I pointed out verse 7 there, but I asked that we just read the whole psalm, and you can see why I want to do so. So let's begin at verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and, worship, and, and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. The interlude is just Selah. My heart is, notice the word confident. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Hallelujah. To give you the setting of it, David is running from King Saul who wants to destroy him to take his life. And we can see two sides to this psalm. Number one, feelings of fear. And number two, the God that he knew. And you bring them together and you've got a war that's taking place. The feelings of fear he's experiencing, which they were real feelings without question, but then the God that he knew. And so you can see that in the midst of the circumstances which were adverse, they wanted to kill him, trap him, destroy him. He's surrounded by fierce lions that want to eat him and just devour him. And he, he recognizes that and he says, all this is true. But he goes on to say, my confidence is in the God that I serve. I'm not going to focus on the enemy and his traps. My focus and my attention will be given to God. Notice what he says. I'm confident in God who is my help no matter what I'm going through. I'm going to thank him. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be moved to a place of thanksgiving and praise in the midst of it all. No wonder I can praise him because he is my protector. 
I will not trust in a cave to hide me or help me. I'm going to trust in the God, my God that I serve, and under his wings am I going to be protected, praise God. So notice what he says. He's going to wake up the dawn. He will wake up the dawn with his praises. I will wake up the dawn with my thanksgiving to God. And I know that by doing so, I will call upon his mercy. <clears throat> I'll call upon his grace, his love, loving kindness, and also his faithfulness. And he will not let me down, praise God. He will deliver me. David understood and knew the fact that confidence toward God is a key to success in life. If I'm going to be victorious, my confidence has got to be placed in the living God who's the maker of heaven and earth and all that in them is. I can't expect my confidence to be in man. No, no matter what man can do, I thank God for what man can do. It can't be in money, even though people think that's the cure-all for everything. My confidence is in God who created heaven, earth, and sea. And then he went on to say, let him be exalted in the highest heavens, which means his powers, his abilities transcend all other powers. There's my confidence right there in God. Well, you think the enemy doesn't know this? And because he knows this, he will attack us to see to it that he uses whatever means he can to belittle and take away from the confidence that we have in God. He will use guilt, inferiority complex, uh, sense of unworthiness, inadequacies, insecurities, and the list goes on and on and on of the different things that he targets the human heart with to do what? To diminish our confidence in God. To make us think like as though we're not good enough like David was to cry out to God in our time of need and difficulty. But you know what? It's not about us. It's about what Jesus did. Our confidence is in him. See, confidence, what it really means, it's the state or quality of being certain of, about the truth of something. Do I really believe in something that's true? Am I going to exalt that above God? Okay, let's just say that he's surrounded by the enemy. Is that true? Yes. Do they want to kill him? Yes, that's all true. He was certain about that. But he took his confidence level to another place. He said, even though I know that they have the ability to wipe me out, they set traps for me, they've dug pits for me, I am going to put my confidence in the saving protecting grace of God, the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the ability of God, and also the work of Christ, you could say, in our lives. That's where my confidence level is. It lies in Him. And so if we want victory in this life, we've got to have confidence. Our confidence is not in ourselves. It's not in what we can do. And that's why the enemy wants to point those things out to us. You can't really do what David did because you're insecure. You can't do that because you're weak. You don't have the strength that it takes. You don't have the boldness that it takes. You can't do that because of your past, because of your sin, because of guilt, condemnations, a sense of inferiority. You've got this complex about you. There's no possible way that you could rise up and victorious in that situation that you're encountering right now. All a bunch of lives. Insecurities and also inadequacies are rooted and grounded in lies. You know why? Our confidence level does not come from ourselves. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 
This is from the New Living Translation, beginning of verse 18. Our confidence is not in ourselves. We're no match for the enemy and all the circumstances that we face in this life, but someone else is. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. You see why the enemy wants to make us feel guilty? And we will receive from him whatsoever we ask because we obey him and do the things that are pleasing, in his, pleasing that please him. And this is the commandment. We must believe in the name of his son. Do you believe in Jesus? Just as he commanded us, because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is the commandment, that we believe on him as he gave us commandment. And that we love one another as he loved us. Notice the confidence that we have is in Christ. Paul was not confident in himself. David was not confident in himself. We're not to be confident in ourselves. Our confidence lies in him. We believe in the power of his name, and we believe in the power of love. And if we walk in the power of his name and walk in his love, our confidence level towards God rises up to a high place. I know that he's with me. I know that he's in me. I know that I'm qualified because of him, not because of me. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. This is from the New Living Translation. We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. Notice, not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, not because I'm an apostle, not because of what I have. No, I'm confident because of all this, because of my trust through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Can you say amen? Say it with me, God has qualified me. God has equipped me. God has anointed me. God has appointed me. God has given me all that I need to rise up above adversity in my life. See, we're qualified because he made us qualified, not because we did something on our own to make us qualified. Paul says, I can't make myself qualified before God or before man, but God has my qualification comes from, from the Lord. Now, John said, if you've got any amount of guilt within you, then you can't stand confident before God. And the devil knows that. Why do you think he'll browbeat people with all these things called inadequacies, inabilities, uh, a sense of insecurity and all that? Guilt, feelings of guilt because of maybe we did something yesterday. How many of you know as long as you're living in the flesh that you're living in right now, you're going to do something that doesn't please God probably every day? Oh, the rest of you are perfect, right? <laughs> We're going to miss it along the way, aren't we? At some point, sometime, whatever. We all miss the mark. We all fall short of the glory of God. We know that because of our humanness. We know that. And so the, the devil will play on that and make us think as though, well, we're not qualified now. We can't stand bold before the throne of God. Well, you know, once again, your performance will never get you down the road that leads to the throne of God. My performance will never do that. We're not qualified in ourselves. 
But aren't you glad that God sent someone to qualify us? His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's the one who qualified us so that we can stand before God. Look in your Bible. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 10. I love these verses of scripture. You see, whatever my insecurity is, my inability is, whatever my guilt is, whatever, whatever I'm experiencing in life that maybe causes me to think like I can't really be bold before the throne of God. God made provisions for that. He knew that would be something the enemy would use. And what did he provide? The precious blood. The precious blood of Jesus that frees us from the guilt, the shame, the insecurity, the inability, whatever. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 16. This is from the New American Standard Bible. This is the covenant, covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon their heart. Who puts them there? God does. And on their mind, I will write them. He then says, and their sins and, uh, and their lawless deeds, I'll think about maybe every other day. I'll remind myself down the road next time they do something wrong. No. I will remember no more. Did that impact you yet? My sins, your sins, and our iniquities, once under the blood, he will never remember ever again. Now where there, there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, What's the word therefore? Therefore? To tell us. Because your inadequacies have been taken care of by the blood of Jesus. Your inabilities have been provided for by the blood of Jesus. Your guilt, our feelings of inadequacy have been covered, cleansed, removed, remitted by the blood of Jesus, and he does not remember them anymore. Oh, hallelujah. Good time to shout. He dealt with our iniquities. He dealt with our inabilities. He dealt with our inadequacies. He dealt with any shortcoming, any fault, any failure on our part. Praise God. He says, look. It's already been done. I don't remember it anymore. Therefore, notice what it says, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by our works and our deeds, what paves the road that leads to the throne? Aren't you glad that it's nothing that you have to do with? It's the blood of Jesus Come boldly with confidence to the throne, the holy place of all by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has inaugurated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And, ha and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, full of assurance and faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith and hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
Oh, hallelujah. I don't know if you're getting this like I'm getting this. Glory be to God. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Him. Hallelujah. It's not about your inadequacy. It's about His adequacy. It's not about your inability. It's about His ability. It's not about your lack. It's about His power and victory and glory. It's all about what Jesus has done for us. The road is paved with the blood of Jesus. And we could enter the throne with confidence. I belong here. You belong there. David was saying this. I can focus on all the traps, I, the, the pits that were dug for me, the lions and the ravenous beasts that he said that were out there with their sharp teeth, want to destroy me, kill me, and just tear me apart. But I'm going to call upon the mercy, the love, and the faithfulness of God, who is my protector, who defends me, who goes before me, who helps me. I'm going to look to him instead. I'm going to pull out my harp and my lyre. And I am going to play and sing. I'm going to wake up the dawn. The dawn's not going to wake me up. I'm going to wake up the dawn with my sounds of praise and adoration to the living God who made heaven and earth. He should have been down in the dumps as a victim. You realize that? Picture it. He's being chased in the wilderness by Saul and his army. He's running for his life. I know what I'll do. Jump into that cave and pull out my harp. Play a few, a few tunes and just wake up the dawn. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Amen. Because of the God that I serve. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at Colossians chapter 1. If this doesn't get you to shout, go buy a new shouter. <laughs> chapter 1 verse 19, King James Version. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace to the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, to bring peace and harmony between himself and all things he created, by him I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven, and you who were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled, but now God has made you his friends again. He did this through Christ's death in the body, so that he might bring you into God's presence as people who are holy, with no wrong, and with nothing of which God can judge you guilty. Who glory. Did you read that? He's reconciled us to God by his blood. And God doesn't see anything that he could call us guilty over. All we got to do is say, I missed it today, Father, forgive me. The verdict is in, not guilty. Not guilty. Say it with me, I'm not guilty. I'm no longer guilty. I'm free from guilt by the blood of Jesus. I'm holy. Unreprovable in the sight of the living God. Unblameable because of the blood of Jesus. I am confident in the God I serve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is confidence? 
You're absolutely certain about a truth. A truth. What is the truth? Just what we just read. You can view yourself looking in the mirror and just saying, well, so many inadequacies and abilities and, you know, I feel guilty sometimes and probably most of the time. Because, or you can look in that mirror and just say, uh-uh, I'm confident in this truth. The blood of Jesus makes me guiltless. The blood of Jesus qualifies me. The blood of Jesus has made me a masterpiece in the sight of God. A work of outstanding artistry, skill, and workmanship. The blood of Jesus makes me look better than I look in that mirror. Hallelujah. Because the blood of Jesus took care of me on the inside. And I've got something on the inside that's working on the outside. The life and nature of God that's in me. You're not a worm in the dust. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not a sinner just saved by grace. You're a sinner who was saved by grace. And now you're righteous in the sight of God. Holy, unblameable, irreprovable in His sight. That's who you are. So boldly, confidently, we can go to the throne of God and say, I belong here. I belong here. Truths that build confidence. Are you ready for them? And this is something we're to believe. Number one. God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't judge one person different than another. We all have the same redemption. We all have the same righteousness. We all have the same relationship with our Father God. We all have the same Redeemer, Deliverer, Healer, Baptizer with the Holy Ghost and Fire. We all have the same destination that is with Him in glory. Now, we might have different crowns based on what we do for him. But as far as redemption is concerned, the covenant is concerned, we have all things equal in Christ. God doesn't view one better than the other because you can't improve on perfection. And Christ in us, the hope of glory has made us perfect. Remember in Hebrews chapter 10, what it talks about those sacrifices couldn't make the comers, the worshipers perfect. But the blood of Jesus did. Aren't you glad for that? So. God's no respecter of persons. That means everything you heard this morning belongs to you. No matter what you think of yourself, God wants you to think differently. What does the word say? It says you're unrebukable in the presence of God. You're unreprovable in the presence of God. So no matter who you are, all you got to do is get the revelation. And you can start walking confident before God that you don't see me as a failure. You don't see me as a victim. You see me victorious, successful in Christ. Number two. Did we read Romans 2.11? We better read it. For there is no respect of persons with God. Well, because you're the pastor has nothing to do with it. Because you're a worship leader has nothing to do with it. You're a praiser and has nothing to do with it. You're this, you're that, you're whatever, has nothing to do with it. When he saved us by his grace and washed us in his blood, he placed us all on equal grounds. We're all the same. Amen. Number two. Secondly, God is always, always for us. Say with me, God is always for me. You see, he's always for us. In Romans 8, 11, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? 
Sometimes I think we're guilty of reading a verse like that and just going real quickly over it and just skimming over it. But answer the question. If God be for us, who? Who? Who this side of heaven could possibly succeed against us? Who can overcome us? Who can take us out? Who can destroy us? Who can make us think less of ourselves? If God is for us, you know what? Then we need to be for ourselves also. How do I do that? By agreeing with God. In the book of Job, we are told that we are to agree with God. Agree with God enables us to walk in harmony with him. How can two walk together except they be agreed? God says you're righteous, you say I'm a worm in the dust. God says you're worthy, and you say I'm not worthy to come before you. God says you're victorious, and you say I'm just such a victim in this life. See, how can two walk together except they be agreed? What does God want us to say? I feel like a victim, but my eyes are on you because you've made me victorious. I accept it. I take that certain truth and I believe it from my heart in such a way that I stand confident before the throne that I'm victorious, not a victim. That's how God wants us to see it. That's how he wants us to see ourselves. That truth built within us will enable us to develop a level of confidence that will rise higher and higher so that we can stand not just before the throne of God, but stand also before the enemy, circumstances, adversity, and let them know I'm not cowering in fear. Paul said this is the battle axe that he used. The name of Jesus was above it all. So no matter what he encountered, he saw himself victorious. God's on my side. God is for me. Who could be against me? Look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. I am not and you are not chasing God's approval. You've been approved. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us or, and made us fit to share the portion which is in the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have our redemption through his blood. Who qualified us? The Father qualified us. How? By the blood of his Son. He says we are already qualified. You're already qualified. There are many things that we could be disqualified in life if we don't have the, let's say, the, the, the equipping that we need to be able to do something. Maybe you're not qualified to be a part of a particular, let's say, um, country club because you don't meet their qualifications. Well, I, get, I guarantee you right now you meet the qualifications to be a part of the kingdom of God. And that's a better country club that you can ever join here upon this earth. And the qualifications are very simple. Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? And if you have been, you're qualified. He's qualified us to do what? Stand against all the powers of darkness and let them know that I know who I am in Christ and what I have in Christ. I am certain that I've got power over you. That's for sure. See, confidence is this state of being certain about a truth about something. What is that truth about my redemption, about my relationship? 
about who I am in Christ and what I have in Him, about the power of my God, and about who I, I am knowing who He says I am, not who I think I might be. Because in Him I live, in Him I move, in Him I have my entire being, praise God. I'm dead. My life is hid with Christ in God. With God in Christ. Oh, thank God for Jesus. Thirdly, God's no respecter of persons means it applies to all of us. Secondly, if God is for us, who can be against us? And thirdly, God will always help us. God will always help us. Once again, you see what the devil does? He'll come up to you and just say, well, he can't help you because, you know, you, what you did and, and what you said and, and look at who you are and all the inadequacies, all the inabilities and all that. But you know what? God's, God's word declares these truths. Let's read them. Hebrews 13. Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money including greed, avarice, lust, craving earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said. I'll let, let that ring in our ears just for a moment. For Bill Anzavino himself has said. No. No, no, no. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say. You see where your confidence comes from? Did you hear what he just said that he will not, he will not, he will not? It just seems like I crawl out to God, but there's no help for me. It seems like I just can't get his attention to help me. That's exactly what the devil wants you to say. It's time to rise up confidently and say what you know he said. And what did he say? He said, I will not, I will not, I will not in any way leave you or forsake you. I will not so that you may boldly say, say with me, the Lord's my helper. The Lord's my helper. Lord, you're my helper. And I'm not going to be seized with alarm and I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? What can anyone do to me? Oh, hallelujah. Praise God Almighty. Our confidence comes from knowing a certain truth. What is the truth? If God be for me, who can be against me? If God's my helper, who else do I need? He'll protect me. He'll provide for me. He'll care for me. Amen. All we got to do is say it. Confidence in salvation. Look at this. We'll quickly get through this. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. We're confident in our relationship with God. We're confident in the blood covenant that we have with him, in him. We're confident with who we are in Christ. We are confident in these certain truths that tell us that God's on our side and he's for us. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence 
which has a great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. He's talking about salvation to these Hebrew Christians that were tempted to go back into Judaism and walk away from Christianity. And why is he telling them this? Your confidence is what you believe this truth, this certain truth about salvation. You're to be confident as you once were from the very beginning that there's only salvation that comes by Christ. You can't be saved by keeping the Jewish laws, the Ten Commandments. You can't be saved by any other means or method whatsoever. You were confident when you left all that and came to where you're at right now, but now you're tempted to go back into it. Don't cast away the certain truth that you believe that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no one comes to the Father except by Him. The writer says, don't you cast that aside. It has a great recompense of reward because after you've done the will of God and maybe you've suffered some things along the way, persecution, affliction, all those things coming against you because you came out of Judaism and now, of course, they want to turn you over to kill you and all that. Don't cast away your confidence. Let me boldly say this. That truth right there has caused many to die a martyr's death. Recant. Uh-uh. You can live if you just worship this other God. No. Renounce Christ. Absolutely not. Don't you know we're going to feed you to the lions if you don't? Why? Because I'm not casting away my confidence in this certain truth that I know. He's the only way. Only truth. And only life. No one comes to the Father except by Him. You think I'm going to recant? You think I'm going to renounce? You think I'm going to deny Him? No way. Absolutely not. I refuse to do so. It's got a great recompense of reward because after I've done this and I've stood my ground, I inherit the promise of eternal living in the bliss of God's presence throughout eternity. Whew. What's that say to you? All right. In 1 John 5, 14, 15, you talk about confidence in prayer. John outlines this for us, and this is so important for us all to, to really understand. Myself included, all of us. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Did you notice He didn't stop by say, ask anything? But you notice he added according to his will. So my confidence then that I have in him is that if I ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if I know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, then we know we have the petitions we desire of him. All right, so let's break it down. Number one, he outlines and defines what it means to have confidence in God when it comes to prayer. The first thing I have to know is that I ask according to his will. I'm asking according to, it is your will to protect me from the evils of this age. I know that. It is your will to defend me in this life. It's your will to provide for my every need because you said you would. So it's your will to heal me because you said Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pains. So I know what your will is. I know that you will my success because you always cause me to triumph in Christ. I know it's your will to defend me and fight for me because you said if you're for me, who could be against me? 
So number one, I discover what the will of God is in my circumstance. And if I don't know it, I can ask him and he'll liberally give it to me and not upbraid me for it. So what is, my, what is your will in this situation to bring you into victory? Okay. So no matter what it is, I've got to know his will first. Secondly, I ask according to his will. You have not because you ask not. I'm asking for you to do whatever according to your will. It is your will, so I'm asking you to do it for me. Number three, if I ask according to his will, he hears me. Say it with me, God hears me. When I ask according to his will. Why is that important to know? Because next it says, if I know he heard me, I know I have. If I know he heard me, I know I have the petition I desire to him. If I don't cast away this confidence. If I know he heard me, then I know I have the petition I desired of him. That's powerful. Jesus said, Father, I thank you that thou hast heard me. But I know that you hear me always. I said it for these. Lazarus come forth. He knew that God heard him say this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That the Son of God would be glorified thereby. He knew that. What are you saying? <clears throat> that God hears hurt. <clears throat> I just breathed something into my Did <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> you ever have that happen? <laughs> Little dust. Does he hear you? Does he hear you? When you say, God, you're for me, who could be against me? Does he hear you? When he hears you say, by your stripes, I am healed. Do you know he hears you? When you say, you provide all my need, does he hear you? You're my protector. You're my deliverer. Does he hear you? Lord, you're my helper. Does he hear you? Do you know he hears you? If you know it, you have the petition. Confidence comes as we realize God's no respecter of persons. As we know he's for us and not against us. And as we know, praise God, he hears us. When we pray, let's all stand together before the throne.